Let's embark on an exciting new journey. Get inspired to explore the shallows and the depths with her ocean story. Mahalo for listening from one ocean lover to another. I'm your host, Jennifer Marie, and I'm ready to have some fun on this party wave together. Aloha, ocean lovers, and welcome to Her Ocean Story. I'm your host, Jennifer Marie, and today we have for episode number six, an interview with Trisha Michelle. She is originally from West Palm Beach, Florida, and now living in Orlando, where I actually came from before Sarasota. And I'm really excited to interview and ask her about a stand-up paddleboard race that she's doing. Very, very intense. She's committed to a stand-up paddleboard race over 80 miles across the Atlantic Gulf Stream from Bimini, Bahamas to Lake Worth Beach, Florida in a single night and day on June 23rd, 2024. Very exciting. And all to raise awareness and funds for those living with cystic fibrosis. That's the main goal of the entire event. So today we'll dive deep into her story, what's inspired her to do this challenge, what she's doing to prepare for the challenge, and you know everything from mentally preparing physically, emotionally. So hi, Trisha. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? Good, good. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you here today to be interviewing you. And so let's just start off with, I like to ask most people in the beginning, you know, where did their love for the ocean grow? When did it start? You know, that adventure, exploration? Um, well, I mean, I'm originally from an area near the beach. So I've always been a beach lover in general. Um, I started paddle boarding in 2021 and I just, I started to feel like I kind of found my calling. It's just, it's a peaceful, different kind of experience. Just get you, you know, away from your technology and away from all of the, uh, I don't know, interruptions and just things in life. And it's just a nice, peaceful place to be. Um, I find it's very meditative in some ways. And in 2022, uh, a friend had a displacement board, which is different from a planing board because it cuts through the water differently. It's more smooth. Uh, so I tried out her board, fell in love with it, and ended up buying my own. And then I started getting people asking me, you know, oh, well, you have that board. Are you going to race? And it was really more or less a joke, but I did start racing. <laughs> so <laughs> That's awesome. Though. I started racing and... um Last year, I was really inspired by a few people that I had met who've done the crossing. And I kind of thought to myself, I wonder if I could do that. So here I am, 2024, planning to actually go for it myself. That is amazing. That's that's crazy. You just, I can't believe you did this recently in 2021, just a few years ago, like started paddling yeah, and already competing a year later. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. So what inspired you to take on this specific race, this 80 miles across the Atlantic? So, yeah, I went to a, it was a Michael Booth clinic who he's a pro racer for Starboard Sup. And I met a girl there who had just done the event and she was talking about it and I just found it really inspiring. So I connected with her and she put me in touch with a guy here in Orlando who's done this event five times. And so I've been training with him over the last six months. And it's just been a really interesting journey. But I think at the end of the day, I really want to do something big, prove to myself that I could take on a challenge like this, but also do something that really benefits and helps others. 
Of course. And this will also give me the opportunity to meet even more people within the sub-community. And I think that's a really big deal is that social connection that you get once you find something you really love and enjoy. Yeah, of course. I completely relate. That was part of the reason why I I started the podcast, just for the social connection and community with everybody. Um, Originally started with, you know, surfing and wing foiling for me, but I love that community, how everybody just helping each other out, inspiring and motivating one another. I think it's great. And so have you done an event like this before Um, or is this your first I race somewhat frequently. This will be the the longest, most endurance heavy event that I've done uh, so far. I think uh, a ten mile race was my longest one that I've completed. I do have a thirteen mile race coming up in the next couple months, um, and I'm building building little by little to more and more miles as I go. But um, last weekend I just did nine and a half miles up the Silver River and back, which was very heavy currents. That was a huge challenge. Um, but these are these are some of the ways that I'm actually preparing for this event. Um, you know, build endurance, build my cardio, build my strength. Um, and, uh, you know, most of it's mental. Like uh, halfway up that river, I was like dying. I was like, oh my gosh, how much farther is this? You know, and just finding peace, I think is a big piece of it. Like uh, finding like a, a place in your mind where you can just go and and focus on like your paddle strokes and count and get through that burn. And once you get past the burn, it's fun and it's great. It's just (laughs) a matter of getting into that right mental state. Um, Yes. I will be training with Seychelle Sap, who was the 2023 ICF world champion this year. Um, And one of the things she's going to help me with is mental preparation. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a big, that must be a fairly big piece you know, mentally preparing and, yeah. you know, meditation and all that stuff, you know, while you're on there. And it's like you said, it's a way to, to just, you know, find peace. It's, I think for it's sure. a perfect description, whether you're racing or just going recreationally for fun, you're looking for that peace, right? You're that yes. peaceful moment. Yeah. And so tell it's, me more about the training. Do you cross train um, as well? Yeah. So I'm doing, you know, power yoga, cycling, uh, a lot of time on the water. I actually have a training crew. We call ourselves the uh, lobster boil because we started training in the middle of summer and it was so hot. (laughs) So (laughs) sort of a joke. Um, But John, who's the guy who's done the the crossing five times already, is part of our group. So it's always great because we get out there and we paddle pretty long distance Um, sometimes we do sprint training, which is paddling as fast as you can in a short period of time. Um, and sometimes we do intervals, which is the best type of training, I think, for endurance and long distance. Okay. Perfect. Nice. And can you describe, you know, what the conditions might be like or, oh, or you kind of prepare for all of it? Yeah. Or preparing for all of the roughest that they'll take you guys out on or. Will well, they change I, the day if conditions aren't ideal? Because that's no, almost not. hurricane season. Like that's hurricane season starts June, right? Um, I think it's a little after June, but after, I mean, it's okay. the end of June. On the year, from what I've been told, it could be glassy and calm and beautiful, or it could be very rough to the point where they have to call the paddlers into the safety boats. There will be safety boats, so okay. um. If it gets too rough where it's unsafe, they will require everybody to get into the boats. 
And what are the logistics like of the race? Like, you know, from where you start to finish in those safety boats, is that every single competitive racer have a safety boat? Yes. So I think it's up to four paddlers per safety boat. Um, But obviously you and all your boards have to fit plus the crew on board because we will have crew members who are, you know, replenishing our water, making sure that we have uh, nutrients and food while we're paddling. Um, Part of this race, the, if you want to complete it is you cannot get off your paddle board unless you're doing relay. So as a solo paddler, I will not be able to get off my board to go get some food. I'll have to eat on my board. Right. Wow. And when does this start? Like, when do you anticipate starting and finishing? Like, um, how long so do you we'll think this will take? Start at midnight. Uh, at this point in time, I'm a, I'm not the fastest. I think it's going to take me somewhere around 14 to 15 hours total. Wow. Um, but my goal is to do it in less yeah, than Yeah, to just that. do it. Um, okay. To finish strong and do it in less than that. And I think the training that I'm doing, especially the training that I'll be starting up with Seychelles, um, who did this race last year and she came in first. I think training with her and training with John and different people is going to really help me to reach that goal of being a faster paddler and a stronger paddler and uh, keeping myself in a mental state where I can get through this. Of course, you're sur- it's to me, it sounds like you're surrounding yourself with the best people, a really good you know group of coaches and mentors and people who you know will keep your spirits up. Because it's yeah. like you said, it's all in your head. It's really yeah. all in your head. You just keep and, pushing um, through it. I've also been doing some sup surfing, which is great because I don't have a lot of experience with downwinding where it's when the wind's behind you and you're sort of catching waves on your board and riding those waves um, along as you paddle. And it's kind of an awkward feeling when the wave picks you up. So one way that I'm training for that, since I don't have a lot of chances to go out and downwind is to go do sup surfing so that I'm at least learning how to catch waves and ride them, even if it's on a shorter board. Um, and I actually just joined a surf team. So that way I'm forced to get out there and do that a little bit more too. Yeah, of course. Of course. Any, um, I, I tried to dabble a little bit in sup surfing at Venice, the Venice jetties. And it's, it's a challenge when you're first starting off. <laughs> so I admire you for doing all of it. <laughs> Wave riding, sub racing, all of it. I'm I'm typically the cruiser just hanging out. Lately been taking out my son, you know, so oh, just kind of like hanging out with him. Very nice. I mean, I think How that's does... great to be able to paddle yeah. socially. And I think it's important too when you're picking boatmates to be out um on a race like that that you're you're out with people who give you good positive vibes that you get along with. Um, So I think that's another piece of joining the competitive team is exciting for me because I won't be just paired up with random people. Now I'll know who is my boat captain, who are my, you know, teammates, who will I be out there with? And if I'm training with them prior to, we'll create that like relationship and those connections in advance, which I think will also help. Of with course, getting through all of the eighty miles. <laughs> yes, because that's yeah, that's eighty miles. That's that's a lot. Super intense. But I admire you so much for doing that. I can't wait to like watch. Is there going to be live streaming? And yes, um, like, to watch how you. I, mean, I don't know about like. I don't think it'll be drone footage or anything. But we will have like chips on us where you can go on a website and see where we are at in the ocean and how far along are we in the race. Um, I went on there last year and checked it out. It was interesting because some people didn't quite 
go straight to Lake Worth. I saw some people ended up in like Fort Lauderdale and some people ended oh, up. Oh, wow. Um, and I think that somewhat depends on your boat captain because you do draft the boat. Um, okay. Yeah. But like, I'm yeah, not, they, they, you follow them, right? You follow the boat? Yes. Assuming, right? Yes. Yeah. Because I mean, you're not going to be able to tell like which direction to go in so that you, you, you follow the boat. Yeah, you follow the boat and um, you actually can draft behind the boat, which breaks those waves up for you. So you can actually follow behind. The boat just has oh, to be nice. <laughs> slow for a boat. Yeah. Right? Oh, wow. So yeah, they need to make sure they have, you know, all the diesel fuel and everything, you know, mm-hmm. get through it. Yeah. A lot of Oof. details, logistics for that. Yes. And um, have you done, uh, have you races, have you raced outside of Florida or mainly uh, here? Hmm. Not really. The furthest I've gone so far is Navarre. So to the Panhandle, I did okay. the Navarre Paddle Classic earlier this year. Um, and that was exciting. That was a 10K technical. Okay. Nice. Yeah. And <laughs> yes, yes. No, of course. No, that's any type of stand up paddle race. Is it, um, I know before the show we were talking about, you said there was different categories. There was yes. competitive and recreational. And I, I didn't know about that. I thought I was always competitive. So, Well, the crossing, there's the option to do recreational paddle um, or competitive paddle. If you're a recreational paddle, you can sign up. And I originally signed up to um, have my boat support included because then I don't have to pay for gas or find a boat. But I just was lucky enough to be asked by somebody to switch because I really did want to do competitive. I just didn't want to go with the hassle of finding a boat. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so a lot of the people that do the wreck race um, aren't necessarily like hardcore paddlers. A lot of them are maybe doing it because they know somebody who has CF and they want to be a supporter, right? Um, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Those, those will typically be people too that maybe break it up into like a team of four for relay. And okay. just do it. Um, they're not out to win a prize or podium or get there the fastest. They exactly. just want to do it to support their friends and family um, if you have this disease. Of course. Yeah, that's definitely, that's completely understandable. I mean, if, if I were to do something like that, it might be like that. It would be in a relay, recreationally, not competitive. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I admire anybody who just just decides to do it, you know, to make it a goal. I think it's amazing. Yeah. And, and I mean, nowadays, there's also rec race paddling, which it is still competitive, but you're not using a race board. You'll just be using your regular all around board. Um, there's a lot of little events like that popping up. Actually, ICF, which is International World Cup, had it this year. At their race, there was a 5K and you could use a rec board for that. Oh, that's awesome. See, that would be me because I don't have the space for like a race board in my apartment. I have like an inflatable and Mm-hmm. Like a nine foot sup, like a ten foot sup board that I could kind of use for wave surfing too, or just recreational. Nice. And so I was going to ask you, like, what advice would you give to people like wanting to sup race but think that you know they don't have the right type of board mm-hmm. to race with? Well, I would say find um, a lo- like a smaller local event. Um, like here on the east coast of Florida, we have um, a, it's called Paddle Sports League. And basically, they they provide you all around boards. You just show up, pay. I think it's like a twenty or twenty five dollar fee, and then you race. And um, if you get out there early enough, you can usually find someone that'll show you all the tricks of how to turn and walk the board and things like that too. 
Um, mm-hmm. So finding little smaller organizations, uh, usually through social media or paddle guru is a good way to to find those things. We're just talking to people in the sub community who do race. A lot of us know about those things, but yeah, I think that's a great way to get started because you, you start meeting people who are more than eager to teach you for free and just want to see you succeed and have fun. But I think that's amazing. Approaching it from a point of like, Oh, I just want to see how fast I can go. Right. Like you're not competing against someone else necessarily. I think. Mm -hmm. And then maybe the next time you go out and you just try to beat your own times. That's how I started. Um, yeah. And I was on a 12-6 touring board. I wasn't on a race board at the time. So okay. everybody was faster than me because I was in the race class for the races, but I wasn't actually on a race board. Oh, that's awesome. That's admirable of you. I don't, I'm, I'm a little competitive sometimes and I want to have like, I want to have the edge still. I don't know. I don't <laughs> think I could go into it like with, with a board not meant for it. But I mean, I should, you know, just to try it out, just get to get the feel for it. I think it's great just to get out there and meet people and try other people's boards, honestly, because if you don't know what you want yet, it's great to show up to those events and just ask people, hey, do you mind if I borrow your board? Can I just can I see what it feels like Um, at Mm -hmm. ICF? I borrowed somebody's board that was a 20 and 20 inches, 20 inches and a half wide. I've never been on a board that skinny and I was out there doing turns on it and having a blast. Um, and it actually convinced me that the next board I'm going to get, which is a starboard gen R, which is their newest board. I'm going to go to the skinniest model. So, Oh, wow. Yeah, that is good because I do kind of do the same thing with wing foiling. I, when I have other, when I'm, I've been thinking about buying like a, a smaller board, you know, my beginner board is a 110 liter board and I want to go down to something like 85 or 75. So I've been trying other people's boards while I'm out there. And that's really the, the way to go mm-hmm. to kind of get a feel for what you like and the size, the width, like you said, everything. Yep. Yep. And mm-hmm. um, how does your, mm-hmm. oh, sorry. No, no, go, no, go ahead. Epic board sports over in Coco. I, you know, I'm able to get demo boards and bring them out to events and things. So actually like, you know, I always tell people when I go to like, Sup Girl, Central Florida events, or anywhere I go, I'm like, if you want to try this board, it's a demo. Uh, feel free to jump on it and I'll just trade boards. So that's always fun too, is just having that opportunity to let people try different things. I've put people on my Sprint, which is 23 inches wide flat water race board. And I'll, most people just roll over, like they get on it and it just t- flips on them. Um, but I've had a few friends surprise me, get on it and really start going. And I'm like, Hey, like, that's great. You know, (laughs) that is cool. I love Mm -hmm. that. And how do your family, how do, how does your family and friends feel about you doing this race? Uh, I think at first I thought I was nuts. I think (laughs) I'm gradually getting more and more support from people little by little. Um, but when I first said I was going to do this, my husband was like, well, I think we better have the life insurance policy. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's, just, it's in the 11th year. Nobody's had an issue. Like, I, I think it's pretty safe. So, you know, I think there was a big concern around safety. But once I explained to, you know, my husband, my friends, hey, like, this is an event that's been going on a long time. You know, they are very careful. I mean, when you get in the water at midnight, you're wearing a glow stick and a bright yellow vest. So the boat knows where you're at. It's not some <laughs> unprepared, like, thing where you're just going to you know, I don't know, go across the ocean with one exactly. safety boat with 200 people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, these, these type of events, they do them worldwide, you know, in Hawaii, they have events from island to island where people are mm-hmm. stopping from island to island. I think that's amazing. 
do you, yeah. what kind of a bucket, do you have like a bucket list of t- the type of stand up paddleboard races you'd want to do? So my bucket list is more like um, going from like uh, regionally, like just Florida races to expanding to national races in 2024. And I'm hoping by 2025 to be competing in maybe like Latin America or Europe. So just expanding where I paddle and seeing different places. Um, it's always a unique experience to paddle somewhere new. So of course, I know. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I've done a little bit. Um, like I started paddling in Puerto Rico when I was living there, but I definitely want to paddle more places. I usually focus on on scuba diving when mm-hmm. I travel, but I want to range. I want to, f- you know, further expand my activities after diving, you know, either go paddle boarding or go winging. But sometimes I'm so exhausted from scuba diving. It's like, okay, do oh, I really want to go to the water again? <laughs> so, yeah, one thing I do, um, we do, we've gone to St. John's the last three years uh, in the Virgin Islands. And I like to run a paddle board and bring my, uh, my fins and my mask out with me and just do a little free diving. So I'll usually take an anchor and just paddle out and jump off the board and swim around. Um, I mean, I could just swim it from the beach, but I think it's more fun to paddle and like I can spot the sea turtles and be like, oh, they're over there, you know, and yeah. jump in, get some good footage and just chase them around. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. I feel you on that one. It is a lot easier if you're just kind of paddling. And then you yeah, can see you- them from above the water. If you see like a manatee exactly. sprouting out, if you see a dolphin. <laughs> yeah. And what's that- been your, mm-hmm. no, I was going to ask, what's been your favorite marine life experience oh, as that you well, see? I'm- I'm a bit of a shark fanatic, so I had a baby shark swim under me when I was over by Shalki recently, um, and that oh, was that's... like for me one of the most exciting because I'm always like on the lookout. I'm like when I'm surfing, I don't want to see sharks, but when I'm paddleboarding, I super duper want to see sharks. So that's funny. I'm the same way. When I'm scuba diving and paddleboarding, I want to see them, and I've seen I've seen baby little sharks like uh, the the scalloped like hammerhead baby ones, I think. Yeah. Or, no, bonnet heads, bonnet heads. Yeah. Yeah, bonnet heads. Yeah, no, I've yep. seen one of those at Shell Key as well, preserve in St. Pete. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. That and the um Comorant birds, I think it's really cool. They'll follow your board. They like to they like the shadow that it creates. So literally you'll mm-hmm. have like a little buddy just swimming with you the whole time. Yeah. And I, I always find that to be really fun. Um, but it seems like that only happens at Shell Key. I haven't haven't had them do that anywhere else. Oh, that actually does happen in Sarasota because I've paddled in, I paddle here in Sarasota off of Ted Sperling Nature Park, which is by Lido Key. Uh, and they have the cormorants there too. But it's yeah. definitely, there's definitely a lot more of them in Shell Key Preserve in St. Pete. Yeah. I mean, I see them all come out on like rainbow or silver, the springs, but they don't, they don't follow you in the same fashion and form. Like when you're out in yeah. the middle of the intercoastal, they're just like, yay, shade. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Shade, and you see them eating and looking for fish, and it's so cute. Mm-hmm. They'll pop That's, up yeah. and like look at you, and you're like, "Hi, friend." Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, and sometimes I've seen like five or six just like follow you around for quite a while, like quite a few. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty neat. I'd say those and- are like my second favorite, like wildlife. Manatees are always great. Actually, there were manatees out on the Silver River last weekend when we were racing. And it was kind of like you're trying to go fast. And all of a sudden, you're like, look at that cute manatee. You're slowing down and killing your race time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) See, that's my problem. I think if I'm racing, I might stop and look at all the wildlife and be like, oh, my gosh. Everybody did. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) 
<laughs> Especially when there's like manatees, like a, like a, I don't, he, at least here in Sarasota, I've seen like a lot of like pot, like, I don't know if you can say pot of ma- pots of manatees or groups of manatees together, you know, mom and baby mm-hmm. like, couples and. That gets me every time, especially if oh, I see a mom and a baby. They're so cute. And they're they're like dogs. They're so curious. They'll literally come up and just pop up next to you or even under your board and knock you off. You're like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what would uh, advice you would give to anybody who who wants to start stand-up paddle, stand-up paddle boarding in general? Um, so I'd say, you know, either take a class or find a friend who's pretty experienced to give you good tips. Um, start with a wider board that's a little more stable. Um, don't be afraid to just like paddle on your knees first, get a feel for it, gradually, you know, work your way up to standing. Um, and I'd say start in like a flat water type of environment. I wouldn't maybe start in the ocean per se. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just give yourself a little grace. Expect that you might fall in several times. And uh, before you get out there, like learn how to get back on the board. Because a lot of times what I see is people fall off and then they don't kick their legs as they're trying to pull themselves back up. And instead of getting back on the board, the board's flipping over upside down on them and they get frustrated or panic. And that's not a good situation. So I would say think about safety, wear your life vest, um, whether it's the inflatable kind or your actual life vest. But even if you're a strong swimmer, if you're not familiar, it's it's just good. I have a friend who is a strong swimmer. He fell off. He was not wearing the life vest. And he had a very near-death experience. Like He was lucky someone was out there and able to grab him because he panicked. Oh, wow. And he's a strong swimmer, but he basically forgot everything and just went into panic mode. And so I am a big advocate for wearing your leash and in the beginning, at least having yes. your paddleboard on your body. I always wear, yes. not your paddleboard, your life vest, but I always wear my, my inflatable PFD belt whenever I'm out. I don't, t- I don't go out without it unless I'm surfing. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm always, I'm a leash girl all the way, especially with my son, Love you know, leash and, PFD, mm-hmm. all the safety gear. And at first I was kind of like, they have people there monitoring now at Ted Sperling where they're watching everybody, making sure that they're grabbing a life jacket. If they don't have one, they have spares over there. And at first yeah. I thought, oh, that's kind of crazy. Like, wow, I've been saying a paddle pony forever and it's really shallow here. But no, you can never know what happens if a current comes by and, you know, you're struggling to get oh, yeah. back or something. Yeah, if you're not wearing the leash, the board can get away from you. And, you know, we have several, this is not a fun thing to talk about. We have several people drown every year because they're like, I'm a strong swimmer. I don't need to wear my life vest, right? And if they get separated from their watercraft and the vest is on the board or on their kayak, it's not helpful, right? Like, so Mm -hmm. I highly recommend if you're paddleboarding, just investing in a inflatable waist belt so you don't have to wear a big bulky thing. But you have it on your body. So if something were to happen, you've got that as a backup. I just personally, I think it's incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And also, um, I was just thinking about like now that we're heading into winter and when you're training, do you wear like a wetsuit or a skin at all? Like um, temperatures so drop? Because then I'm thinking if you're paddling, you're going to get hot in a yeah, skin or a wetsuit. Especially with race training, you get hot. 
So what I do is I layer, I'll usually wear a bathing suit with some swim leggings. Um, if it's really like, if it's in the forties, I'll wear neoprene booties. Um, I like the ones that have just like a sock feeling to them. They don't have like a hard shoe bottom and then a neoprene jacket or a neoprene bathing suit top, something that's easy to remove. But, you know, I fell in the other night and it was cold out and I was doing a rotation drill and I rotated a little too far and just went overboard. And I was really glad to have that neoprene jacket because I still had to paddle another mile and a half to get to shore and I would have been freezing. Yes. Yeah. So I I think for me personally, it's, and I don't know about everybody, but keeping your chest warm, like I think that's the most important part of your body that you should probably be wearing neoprene if it's cold out. Yes. Yes. I want to, I want to venture out. I do, you know, obviously when I go wing foiling in the, in this cold weather, I wear a full on wetsuit, but I was just thinking, okay, but you're paddle boarding and you might not get in the water. So then you don't want to get too hot. But then you might fall. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I recommend at least having a jacket or vest type, a jacket of, or a vest that you can kind of like take on. Yeah, off. it's insulative okay. and um, yeah, not like a sweatshirt. Not something that if it gets wet, you're going to be cold. So got it. Yes, exactly. But uh, and then just to finish this off, I mm-hmm. wanted to ask more like about the organization that you're raising funds for, Piper's Angels Foundation. Piper's Angels, yeah. Um, so Piper's Angels was created, um, because the founder's daughter had CF and uh, I have to like, look at the story for that, but basically what they do is they raise funds to, um, support families who have either like a, a child or they themselves have CF. And that money goes to help them support with like medical costs. Some of the money will also go to research. Um, it's just a really great organization in general, though. They support a lot of people with disorder. No, and it's pretty common. I used to work um, at Johns Hopkins All Children's Hospital and their pediatric med surge. And we had, you know, quite a few, you know, frequent, you know, patients that would come with cystic fibrosis. And, and so, I, so I'm very you know, passionate about this as well, you know, and just sharing, you know, bringing more awareness, not just to the ocean, but, you know, causes that, that, that people can link to the ocean. Cause these kids, you know, love to be on the water too. They love to be by the water. It's, you know, all healing aspect. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that is one of the reasons that the crossing for CF was started is because the seawater can be helpful for people with CF. And so that was sort of the inspiration behind the event originally was um to do a long ocean paddle um it's 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 more meaningful i think than just like a run somewhere in like middle of the state right something like that exactly a little Mm -hmm. bit more um yeah and then the other thing i mean i would say about cf is there there is new treatment out now um but it's it's kind of unattainable to some people because it's either not affordable or it's not available worldwide so there are a lot of petitions going around right now to try and make that new treatment more available to people who have CF. So that's awesome. And that's part of like the donations that you guys are ra- raising for. Um, I'm not sure. For the organization. For, yeah, I'm not sure if Piper's Angels is specifically, but every time I see a petition, now I'm signing it. 
Um, yeah. I wasn't very aware of CF before I learned about this race. Um, but I've started meeting people who have CF. Um, I follow a few people on Instagram now and read their stories. Um, and I, I think it's great to, to build the awareness because not everyone's aware of it. It's, it's not a disease or disorder that you really see. Like you might meet someone who has CF and never know that they, yeah. they have it, right? Um, exactly. Yeah. And because, you know, like they're prone to like infections, they might not really go out as much sometimes depending on how they're feeling. But, uh, but thank you so much, Trisha. I really appreciate you being on the show. It was really exciting hearing about all the training and, you know, what inspired you to start this. And, and I can't wait to keep following your story. Maybe you can come back when you finish the race and tell us about it Absolutely. and how it went. I would love to yeah. have you back on the show. And to our listeners, mahalo for tuning in. Thank you. I hope you've really enjoyed Trisha's story and how she started stand-up paddleboarding just two years ago, and now she's preparing for the 80-mile crossing for cystic fibrosis. Her Instagram information and website info for more information on cystic fibrosis, raising awareness, and donating will all be in the podcast description. This is podcast episode number six for her ocean story. I'll also include in there information on Epic Board Sports and Cocoa Beach, Florida and Starboard Sup, which are her sponsors. Um, but if you've really enjoyed this episode and any other episode of Her Ocean Story, a heartfelt written review is really helpful in Her Ocean Story. Keep growing. Thank you once again for listening. If you know of any other guests who would love to be a part of Her Ocean Story, please have them reach out to me via email, heroceanstory at gmail.com. Aloha. Have a great time on the water.